the show that helps you and your business to thrive, not just survive. Tune in each week as Jane connects with guests in the wellness, business and publishing worlds, bringing you the most up-to-date training, techniques, healing and guidance for growth, mindset and motivation. Each session includes a magical guided meditation led by Jane or one of her special guests. Here's your host, Jane Scanlon. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Stay Sane with Jane. Um, Today we're going to be talking to Kim Julian and we're going to be delving into that question of... um, or, or it's almost uh, an old adage of find a job you love and you'll never work a day of your life. So is that true? Does that ring true to you or not? So for Kim, and we're going to go into much more detail about this, but she had a passion, has a passion still. And then she created a business out of it because perhaps she was almost pushed a little bit into what she should be doing by other people. Um, She grew this business and then the passion, it almost uh, kind of suffocated the passion. So does this ring true for you or not? Find a job you love and you'll never do a day's work in your life. Hello, Kim. Hi, Jane. Hi, everybody. So nice to have you on the show and also now another local, um, mm-hmm. a another Bournemouth lass now or South Bournemouth, we're both in. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'd love to. So I went the very traditional grammar school, university route and did law. And that started me on the train track that I stuck on for 30 plus years. So I was a successful lawyer, still am a successful lawyer, although, you know, you don't always feel that at the time when you're going through the grind. And there is that imposter syndrome that does affect a lot of professionals, not just women, but particularly Mm -hmm. women. So my career was as a solicitor advising clients. I did a lot with marketing, business development and uh, had a very, very busy job, ended up as a head of in-house legal for a national firm, two and a half thousand employees, 17 offices. I stepped off when I felt I was at the top of my game, really, Mm because I'd been a hero or a zero for a lot of my professional life. And I was a hero at that point and thought, I know which way it's going to go because it's definitely going to go down. It's a cycle. So stepped off without a plan. I just, the opportunity arose and I took what I described as early retirement. Yeah. I absolutely hated the word retirement. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have a plan, which is probably one of the pieces of advice to talk to on this. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get on to that. Have a plan. I didn't have a plan. But as it has turned out, you know, maybe there was one. Maybe the universe had a plan for me. Yes. So, by this yeah. point, you'd already had your family, hadn't you? Yeah. You'd had, so, you've got your home. So home mortgage was pretty much paid off. Um, I'd had my family when I was mid-30s, so sort of didn't take very much maternity leave. It wasn't as generous in those days as well. So I tried no, to... and in the profession time. that you're mm. in, I can imagine there's not really, oh, you can go part-time sort well, of options. Or... Yeah, there is now. 
So we're talking yeah. now, my children were born in the at the end of the 1990s, so they're now early 20s and forging their own way. Neither of them wanted to become a lawyer. I put them off that, <laughs> so job done there. But yeah. um, it wasn't generous, but I took, the, took some time off. I then did a job which was more consulting, sort of business development, marketing, but for lawyers, and did that when they were small. Then when my youngest was just about, just maybe a year before starting school, circumstances at the time and moving to a different part of the country and also missing the intellectual challenge of law truth be told yes. you know, I was working with these lawyers and they were the ones at the coalface doing the, the the work for clients I was helping them develop that but mm, I do miss a bit of it I worked in commercial and intellectual property law which is actually quite creative because you're building relationships for clients you know you're not the lit I'm, I'm just so totally um, opposite from the sort of the the US typical um, screen lawyer who's in court fighting for their clients. I'm yes. not a vocational person at all. I like to build. And so I was building relationships with contracts that you didn't want to take to court because you wanted them to work. And intellectual mm. property, um, you might know, is all about creativity. So working with artists in music, in technology increasingly, and uh, writing as well, some authors I've worked for. How interesting. So interesting. So it was interesting. I met some amazing people and looking back, worked for some incredible clients, you know, some real dropping. Um, you know, it was, but at the time, it wasn't a job that I loved. It was a job that I did because I started it. And so I kind of felt I should finish it. I nearly stepped away to teach law at one point and then thought mm, no I'll I'll stick with it because the pay's there and mm-hmm. and and who was Kim at this point was Kim her job was there more well to Kim? <laughs> mm, funny you should say that because again it's only reflecting having had that time away from it and those close to me would say at the time I said no 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 but they would say you are defined by your job you see yeah. yourself as that lawyer I wasn't a super confident lawyer, but I knew I could work a room for business development. I knew that people mm-hmm. listened to me. I knew I could teach because I did do quite a bit of teaching of other other lawyers for technical updates and then with clients for business. Um, you know, this is the new bit of law. This is how it affects your business. I like that bit, that bit of it. But the actual law, I was probably quite bored with, to be honest, because, you know, when you've done one contract, the same basic principles are the same and the office politics yes. and the back by you know it's it is a bit of a dog eat dog world and there's there was a lot of oh it's just so and so you know that's just they're a superstar biller as in you know they make lots of money yes. for the firm, so they're allowed to behave in ways that aren't really that nice a lot of change happened during my long career I have to say when I first mm-hmm. started as a very young lawyer you weren't allowed to wear trousers to court obviously, oh, yes. or anywhere it was just frowned yes, upon and then works. trouser suits came in and now of course it's it's really dressed down unless you are in court you just would wear you know just this with a pair of trousers would be fine you're not expected to wear a jacket so there was a lot of change yeah. a lot of change and the mum was kind of like the next role and the wife was the next role so there wasn't really much time for me I would mm. go to you for classes but I'd be the one that left the office last minute and rushed there and was cross because someone was on the place where I wanted to put my mat I didn't really have much for me other than enjoying a bit of gardening. Yeah, yeah, I can can imagine that. So tell us a little bit about this passion um, because it's passion for gardening. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and 
how you got started in the new field. Yeah, loved it field, literally, because there were fields involved. So it was the, I mean, I'd always lived in a house with a garden. My parents weren't particularly, you know, they liked, they'd mowed the grass and um, plant things, but they weren't passionate or interested in gardening. But we'd always had a garden in every house I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And I think it was more a case of just enjoying that. And then there was a big rebirth of gardening with programmes, like Gardener's World had always been really not something I would ever have chosen to watch, somebody called Percy Thrower, that the, the younger listeners will never even have heard of Percy Thrower. Mm-hmm. But it was all very, you know, men with pipes on their allotments. And then it became quite trendy and people like Monty Don, who I absolutely adore, would come along. Mm-hmm. I got to find out about Chelsea and that was going through the Chelsea Flower Show, which is a really big show every year. And there are lots of other Royal Horticultural Society one so it was very much gardening for the middle classes to be honest you know it was buying nice yes. things in the garden centres I love a garden centre yes and me too making sure They're dangerous that, aren't they yeah, I love them exactly, exactly so I trained and studied in London early and then left London as lots of my friends and contemporaries did so all of the houses post London had gardens so I would nurture and do bits and pieces I knew I loved looking after it and making it look beautiful I wasn't that keen on growing stuff from seed. You know, I, I love eating fresh veg, but mm-hmm. I can happily leave that to other people. Yes. Um, it was more the creating a beautiful environment, which is so good for our well-being. And green therapy has now become a real thing. Mm, I think really I was has. doing it. Mm. And I think when I was beginning to create gardens and being able to take cuttings from other people's gardens and a very dear friend of mine who's been a huge support over the years, but her career was in banking. And now she is an artist. And, um, you know, again, it's that sort of creativity that's locked inside a lot of us and we don't don't realise it. I've still got in the garden, uh, in my house, cuttings or that have grown into a plant which came from one of her gardens and it came via a garden in Cornwall. So there's wow. that longevity, which is great. So I'd always fancied doing it. I had on my bucket list for when I retired, uh, among with other things, do a course which the Royal Horticultural Society run. It's called the certificate in practical horticulture level two Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody does level one but level two and it was part-time one day a week at Sparshaw College which is near Winchester and that just seemed like a dream location because it's an outdoors college so I just wanted to do that for the fun of it really you know as as a topic that's quite interesting to me it's a nice thing to do and I want to hang out at this point were you were you working um, as a no no, I'd finished. And this so, was after the, the kind after, of early so, retirement. Yeah. yeah. And so in hindsight, if I'd done something like this while I was working, because I worked four days a week for quite a few years towards the end, instead of using that fifth day to do all the chores and all the errands and maybe have coffee with somebody so that I would be free at the weekends to take the children to rugby or to rowing or whatever, I should have invested in myself and done the course, but I didn't. I finished my legal job at the end of 2019 Mm-hmm. just before 2020 so actually from my bucket list of travel and do lots of things the only few things I could do one of them was this course yeah and amazingly they were still running it in person and education was the one of the few things that you were actually allowed to go and travel to so on and off all that lockdown in 2020 I actually managed to escape my village which felt quite claustrophobic mm-hmm. to go to drive in beautiful countryside through very quiet roads to this college, hang out with like-minded people and learnt a lot. And it actually probably just validated a lot of the information that I already knew. Yes. I thought 
all the people on this course would be like me, you know, ladies of a certain age and just dabbling in gardening. I was so wrong. There were about 15 of us. The course was a smaller class because of COVID. That was great. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got a group. We've still got a WhatsApp group. Really um, nice. Nearly three years later, I'm seeing some of them to do a botanical um, drawing and art and watercolor class. It's oh, beautiful. Therapy yeah. bonding experience between us. Yeah. That's such strange, weird times in mm-hmm. our lives because everyone was coping with their own COVID things you know in their own households and families so we came together and it was just a really great experience learning from other people the age range was from 20 to early 60s the average age was probably 30 so younger than me Mm -hmm. made some great new friends across generations and a lot of these people were already working in the gardening business and that wanted a seed so to speak pun intended for me because I thought well, maybe I could do this. And there was one friend who said, well, yeah, I garden and I do these hours for these old ladies and this for this bit. And I, this is how I cost it. And so I kind of came away from there thinking, well, maybe I could, but I wasn't really, I was quite enjoying lockdown, to be honest, because it was, you know, I hadn't got the responsibility of managing lawyers who are high performance, high needy people yes. at the best of times. I hadn't got to cope with a team who would have had, homeworking alongside trying to get their school sorted for their children or looking oh, after gosh, yes. I would have been managing a team that had all I thought wow how lucky am I not you know the world is in this awful position but actually my children were safe my family was safe mm-hmm. um you know from and I was in a village that was you know not I wasn't living in a high-rise flat in the middle of a city you know I had access to green spaces I could walk the dog yes. so I wasn't really looking for anything to do but then having had a career in business and finance, I probably hadn't made quite the same decisions as I should have done around my financial future and thought I do act to work, but it's not just for money. It's also for the self, um, just self-esteem of working and having been out That's of work sort of, for a do bit. Do you think mental routine. stimulation or, you know, that routine? Well, not so much mental stimulation because I had had so, you know, I was overflowing with just like, my head was buzzing with all of the work that I'd done as a lawyer. Mm. I wanted something that was much more practical and creative. So I worked in the local cafe in the village and still do voluntary work in a cafe now in the yes. brilliantly named gardens room, garden rooms cafe. So, you know, how fortuitous is that? Yes. Which is, cafe, which is a wonderful uh, pop-up cafe in Boscombe. Cafe. Mm, um, yes. Supporting the Bournemouth food bank. But the fact that I wanted to learn how to use a coffee machine and, you know, I've got barrister skills now and I don't mind a bit of washing up and we'll even clean the loose from time to time. I did that and loved it and loved working with the customers. And then the gardening was something that actually a friend introduced me to another acquaintance saying, Kim, you've done this course, you need a job. She is quite a forceful character, this person. So again, this is my people please, but my people pleasing tendencies and not being able to say, no, I'm happy with the cafe bit. I'll just see. Said, you need a job. This girl needs a needs a gardener. So I'm going to put you together. You've done your course. Oh, you've yeah. done the course. She needs a gardener. She doesn't really acknowledge she needs a gardener, but she does. So I'm come around to my house at this time and I'll introduce you. And I just went with it. And you know, I was grateful to the friend for doing that. And I thought, okay, well, I will do some hours for this. And I was thrown into it. And it was a challenge. Mm. But I thought, yeah, I'm up for that. And she really did need my help. And that was the start of what's now a friendship, actually, with the client, because she needed my help. We were at a similar life point, And 
she was working at home. So she was the isolation of not being in the office and mix, mixing with the people she would normally be mm-hmm. having her positive association with. Oh, um, we've just Forward lost coming Kim. We've got, have we got you back again? No, Sorry, Kim. You froze, you froze slightly. You froze on me. That's... <laughs> just in case Kim is not being recorded. Um... I am just going to pop Kim off from the stream for one minute and just add her back. Hopefully we have not lost connection. Oh dear. (laughs) So let's try one last time oh and she's popped off with c fingers fingers crossed come back kim come back um all is forgiven we want to hear the rest of your story please 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 come back i am just going to send a little message to kim um and we will keep we will find out about her story um because it's a, a fantastic story and there are um so many other women um and then out there who start doing um their passion their passion projects and they turn these passion projects into businesses and we've got kim back yeah. fantastic right so yes i think i was talking about yes so the next door neighbor then saw the amazing work i've been doing in the woman who's now become a friend's garden and said okay come around to do some for me she was much more demanding she was a lady of a certain age who knew what she wanted it wasn't my taste in gardeners and was very kind of micromanaging mm-hmm. and yeah I thought she needs my help I said yes I paid you know she paid me money for doing it yeah but that was kind of not quite such a fulfilling experience and it then was, it yeah. Was, yeah it was that kind of but I felt loyal towards her she wanted my help and I didn't look forward to going to her quite so much but then it kind of expanded in other ways it's no it really did just it was law of attraction you know when I was looking at next door the the app which I use I'm not on Facebook incidentally but it was next door you know somebody would say I know the next door app yes yeah and that's a really good place if you are in business and looking for local work there was a a really lovely ad from a, a couple who said you know we've bought our cottage recently we want to use local tradesmen and so if you're able to help us design and our borders you know we don't want anything fancy we don't want design exactly but anybody who's mm-hmm. used who knows how to plant borders and help us choose those plants um love to hear from you so I thought, oh that's me so that was the start of my sort of border creation or border design so i didn't call myself a designer 
And although, you know, well-meaning people said, oh, you should go and do a course now and do a garden design course. You could earn lots more money doing that. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to do that and all the CAD design. I actually did my design by creating collages from oh, plant catalogues. Yeah. And Sarah, people like Sarah Raven, so people that I would have bought plants from and the Bloms bulbs. And I would cut out pictures, Blue Peter style. Nice. I always, that's one of my child, you know, if I could have my life again, I would be a Blue Peter presenter. But you'd was, be very good at that, Kim. Because I was the era of John Val and Peter, so John Noakes, and yeah, know, it was just a formative part of childhood because you didn't have anything else to watch. You came home and watched that on TV. So I did my cutout with my UPVC glue and stuck these pictures on, and then would take a scan of them and send them to the clients. And I, ch- you know, I've costed it properly and well. Got ideas from the internet as to how you charge based on how big the plot was. You know, a certain design. Well done. Yes. Yeah. I knew what I didn't know what I was doing because I'd not been in business before. But But um, you took steps to be informed Mm, and to yeah. And I knew how much I was charged out as a lawyer, which was hundreds of pounds an hour. I knew how Mm -hmm. much I actually probably got in my pocket when I calculated how many hours I did, and thought, well, it's not going to be as much as that, but. To be honest, it probably wasn't far off if you count all the hours that are never paid as overtime when you're a professional. That's true, yeah. And then I knew for, you know, doing tax and things that I could charge my mileage, so I made sure that I kept records of that and kept um, receipts for things that I bought. Never earned a huge amount, but I was doing it properly. Got a bank account that gave you an initial free banking and could do your invoices online. So rather than using a template, I then did that and I loved it because it was like all new shiny stuff it was great yes plant nurseries got trade card and felt like a proper tradie and had to go with my high-vis jacket on love a bit of high-vis to go and select the plants for this planting project and um started an Instagram page for this and then felt yeah that's great I really like this the work kept coming thought okay it still wasn't going to earn enough to make me and I think that was the tipping point that I'm working all these hours I'm making more than I'm making doing a couple of shifts living wage. At the cafe, maybe. Yeah. It's still vastly removed from what I need to actually earn. I was breaking even, I suppose. I was earning enough to pay the bills, but there wasn't anything left over for special things or for savings. So I was Mm -hmm. using sort of the bonuses that I'd kind of accumulated, not a huge pot, but using that for the, okay, I want to go and see somebody else for the week or go away for the weekend. That would be the money that I was using so I kind of suddenly had this feeling that mm, it's not sustainable mm-hmm. and then got myself in a bit of a panic but that's kind of like a little bit down the line I should have seen the the warning signs really I think because as this work came in and accumulated I found out about a free government sponsored um I don't know business coaching I suppose for new businesses and mm-hmm. signed up for that was totally unimpressed with the guy who was leading it and just kind of like couldn't get to grips with the spreadsheet. I couldn't do any cash flow forecasts because I didn't know how many customers I was planning to get. I wasn't really seeking it and trying to build that business. It was just, they were just happening to appear. So and I think when you get to a certain it. point, you then need, um, especially with gardening, I mean, there's only so many hours that you've got. Absolutely. So therefore then you need a team, don't you? Yeah, and you then you need, need vehicles. You do, and you need employment contracts, and you need different insurance, and yeah. you need proper equipment. So I was just using the gardening tools that I'd had myself accumulated over the years, and a few that had come down sort of through um, family. And the garden 
the gardens that I went to were usually pretty well equipped. So I would use their equipment yes. and tools. And I wouldn't, I generally wouldn't cut grass because that is quite heavy, hard work. And there's loads of people that cut grass for next to nothing. Let yeah. them do that. I only did the grass for this one lady because she, my original client, because she wasn't able to use her mower. So mm-hmm. that's, I wanted to do that, but nobody else did I, I did grass for. It was, it was all just flowers. Yeah. My absolute sweet spot is weeding. I love weeding. It's just, <laughs> you, can tell, you can tell what you've done. It looks lovely. You know, this section. And pruning, weeding and pruning and generally looking after are my absolute favourite things. And it was really a case of, again, well-meaning, very well-meaning friends and people saying, you're doing so well. This is brilliant. So what you need to do now is scale your business. You want a nice young lad who can do all the heavy stuff and, um, you know, maybe some other people that can like replicate what you're doing and send mm-hmm. them out. And then you just go and do the the costing and the nice little bits. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that, it, and I resisted. It snowballs then a little bit out of control if, if you want, don't, yeah. don't want to do it. But like you say, with employment now, mm. nowadays, it's it's not simple. You've got yeah. to do pensions and mm-hmm. everything for yeah. for yeah. people. It's a massive um, yeah. take. It is. It? it is. And it's also, you know, the reliability of other people, because I knew I could rely on myself, even though I did have a little bit of a scare because I – I pulled a muscle or I hurt my foot in some way and I was limping for a little bit. I did nothing broken or anything, but mm-hmm. couldn't garden for a few days. And then it was that sort of, okay, that did it dawn of, on you then with the self-employed world. Again, oh, when you're self-employed, if you don't show up, you don't get paid. Don't now get the clients paid. were there waiting for me. You know, they were disappointed. I wasn't going to lose work, but I didn't have money in my pocket for those particular days. So again, that was another yeah. little bit of, okay, this isn't fun anymore. It's now, uh, you know, it's now something that's a bit causing me a bit of pressure and a bit of stress. And I could have had um, people, because I've since, some of the gardening I'm doing now is actually for another gardening business. And I send my invoice in for one day's work and get paid from when I turn up to when I finish. And so what was, be- before to- we before we go on to that, that part, what was the um, kind of tipping point where, like, at first you thought, find a job you love and yeah. you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you were loving, enjoying. Mm-hmm. You had, like, an ideal client. Yeah. And then the next client, not so mm-hmm. ideal. And mm-hmm. then the next and the next. And then you've got a mixed bag, really, yeah. of clients. Yeah, You've got a much fuller diary you've got a lot of admin on your Mm -hmm. hands and then you realize that when you're sick you don't get any sick pay Mm -hmm. um etc when did you start to think actually this find a job you love and you'll never do a day's work in your life Mm -hmm. is not quite working out for me so I think it was probably so the first the first year was just actually learning about the business and on the back end of having done the course so it was kind of oh I can't, I can't do this I've just got a level two certificate I think well that's a lot more than a lot of gardeners of course you can I think my old persona of well you have to be properly qualified to do this yes. was back well, and, okay. exactly but then thought well no and I got insurance you know yes I can do this of course I can just go out and call yourself a gardener you don't have to be any quality any more qualified than and actually I'm much more qualified than quite a few so that's how I can charge what I charge 
mm-hmm. and lady gardeners of a certain maturity are actually very well, you know, they're sought after. Yeah. After, especially for more elderly clients because they mm-hmm. want that reliability and someone to have a chat with. Yes. And it was when I was having a chat and having a cup of tea with these people and realizing that I was then doing extra hours that I wasn't paid for because I felt I couldn't have a cup of tea on their time. Well, actually, I could because that's what they were paying me for. But I was then yes. doing more work than getting more tired. I will and give so- you an example of this as well. To all those who are listening, one of my um, clients is a mobile therapist. And they obviously get paid for one hour treatment. Mm. And I said, okay, so how long does one hour treatment actually take you? Oh my gosh. It was like all afternoon, not only driving there, mm-hmm. the setup, then a good old chat because yeah. they're now, they've been my client for mm. two years, three years, however many years. They expect that conversation at the start, at the end, and you're getting paid for one hour and Mm. actually it's taking four hours of your time. It was insane. I was like, oh my gosh, we need to change this really quickly. It's really hard to change it if you have a personality that doesn't like to say no, which was me at the time, and which, you know, think, well, they are paying, you know, at least they're paying me something. But it would be, I'd be sitting there, you know, feeling very uncomfortable, feeling very anxious because I didn't yes, really want to be you start there. To feel anxious, don't yeah, you? Exactly. Yeah. I didn't really want to be there. But, and then thought, and now this is delaying. I, I always made sure that I didn't do too many jobs in the day. I would usually just do a morning or an afternoon, or, well, mostly a morning, because of course the next thing was the weather. Now, everyone thinks, oh, it's when it's cold and wet that's bad. No, when it's hot and sunny and I'm not a great one for the heat so last summer okay. 2022 was very hot and sunny and although I was starting quite early in fact sometimes I would start really early to go and do some things come back and have a break mm-hmm. by the time you got to mid-morning it was baking hot and mm-hmm. it was hard and I was quite lonely actually because although you do yeah. have a chat it's a very solitary job you're not with a team of people And And I think that actually must be quite difficult throughout the Mm. summer months because people aren't really going to want you in their gardens in the evening or particularly early morning. I hadn't even thought of that. Exactly. So, yeah, I had to work. I didn't have to work my hours around them, but even, you know, even getting there for like an eight eight o'clock, eight thirty start because I had to walk, you know, I had to get myself up, walk the dog because I had a dog at the time, work out how long I could leave him for. It was um, because he yeah it just made it that bit harder and then it was Mm. kind of like another recommendation came through I thought well this is a friend of somebody who um has been referred I've been referred to and then other tradesmen so the people who did the grass the so I speak the grass and you know the heavy stuff they you know the blokes in their white van who um you know sort of the other people would say well I don't do the Ponzi garden stuff but I know a lovely lady who does um Mm -hmm. and then I was getting referrals so felt a loyalty to the people who'd put my name forward yeah. to their clients to refer. So found myself taking on more. And then I'd sworn I wouldn't ever do a pub garden. I found myself doing a pub garden. <laughs> you know, So your boundaries yeah, were non-existent. totally non-existent. I was going to say skew with, but totally non-existent. Yeah. And I was, the ironic thing is I was listening because my kids had given me some headphones so that I could listen to podcasts. I was listening to podcasts about boundaries, about, you know, making sure that you don't over, you know, you don't allow people to overstep those boundaries to look after yourself first. I was listening to all of this and it was obviously going in. But then, so, so, 
it while was, I was gardening. <laughs> it, it was planting seeds. It was, it was planting seeds because you realized didn't you or you realized that your passion had turned into a prison it had yeah and my own garden that I had loved and cherished didn't get a look in because I didn't get a chance to do my garden I would sit in the I would occasionally sit in it in the evening but I was usually too exhausted to sit and really enjoy it and I looked at it and it was you know it wasn't as lovely as it had been shall we say Yes. Because I hadn't any time at all to look after my own garden. And so I was looking at other people's in a very different light, thinking, well, I wouldn't do it. I'd like to do my own right now, but I can't because I'm doing yours because I said I would. You're my mm. client. I have to turn up and being micromanaged by you because the worst words in the world were, well, you're the expert, they would say to me. And then proceed and then... to tell me what, what, <laughs> what I was doing wrong or what they wanted because it wasn't quite how they wanted it, especially the older clients who clearly loved their gardens and clearly had been active gardeners, but age or infirmity wasn't yes. allowing them to do it anymore. So I can, I think from my own point of view, it did open up a sort of empathy in me and a realisation that that might be me one day. And so being a bit more tolerant and kind, but even so it was hard at the time, you know, because I'm not your, I'm not your servant. I'm not your employee. I know you're paying me, but I'm actually, mm. I do know what I'm doing. And then, yeah, being, managed in that way just was you know the finals one of the finals there was lots of little things really I think that lots of yeah. lots of little things but the the straw that broke the camel's back uh, so when did you decide that um the the business wasn't for you anymore? yeah well I think only recently to be honest so I'd had mm -hmm. this summer when I've been working really hard I hadn't got to go to the beach or any of the things that I really want to do I'd come down to Southbourne occasionally um to see my uh, when my daughter was staying there and we'd go and do yoga on the beach and things and so I think I'd realized that I'd been missing out on stuff and it was also a sense of just the time in my life that I'd stayed put, I tried to develop something new, but a bit of me was still really rooted in an old place, in a way. It was the place where I'd, my family had grown up and I'd been working there. I hadn't spent much time in the village because I'd got in my car and driven to Southampton for the day and then come back in the evening. So I was kind of trying to build a different social life, but I wasn't doing that because I was gardening all the time. So I just thought, yeah. right, just... I need to take myself out of this environment. It was still not really the time to go traveling. And I was too anxious and exhausted to go traveling, you know, to the other side of the world or even to the other side of the country. I thought, okay, yeah. it's just down the road. I'll go and do a winter let in Southbourne. I rented my house out with the garden that is a mess, was a mess and still is a mess, but I'm going to tidy that up this summer when the tenants have gone. <laughs> so it was a sense of, I need to, take myself out of this and just think about lots of things so the gardening and the business was well element, one element but you know I mentioned children having grown up it's all the classic things really and yeah. it's in relationships and I thought I just need to be somewhere different um everybody says you know how great the sea is and I stood there I thought it took me a long time to actually and finding your group you know finding groups of people one yes, of which him, him comes to you. the mindful meanders on a Monday and a Friday yeah, so my community group. Yeah. So that was one. I tried lots of different things and it was really very recently. And I think it probably was the, you know, the emergence of all the new little life and spring and bulbs coming up and 
that sense that the awful, it felt a really long January in particular, long and wet. And I wasn't really, because I'd said to my clients, I mean, a lot of them wouldn't want to pay me in the winter anyway, to be fair. It's because they didn't So again, it. then it's seasonal. It was seasonal. It? Exactly. So with the, with the time money money in yeah. yeah. There's always something to do in a garden. But they didn't see that in the winter time. They kind of thought, well, I don't want to pay her just to do stuff that's not going to have quite the same effect. Mm. So I kind of said, I'll be back. I'll be back. And very recently, I thought, do you know what? I won't be. I'm going to come back to Downton because I've got a house there and it's, um, you know, I've got friends there. But I'm ultimately my, not my future, but for now, I like living here. I'm going to spend this summer here. It's too far to do that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope none of my clients hear this or see this interview before I've actually told them in person. But I'm yeah. about to say, I've just, I'm not going to be able to work for you anymore. And it took me a long time to be able to say that because I felt obliged because I'd said I was going to do it. I said I was going to come back and work for them. And now I'm not because I've actually looked at what I want to do. And that doesn't fit into what I want to do right now. Yeah. I want to have my own pots I mean I haven't got I've got a garden where I'm going to be living but I'm not going to be planting in it because it's not so long term but have pots that I can look after um possibly doing some contracting garden work but not having the responsibility for it just being able to turn up and do it yeah Yeah, and doing it with somebody else because when I do that work I've got a buddy in the van with me and we go and garden together and it's again having a great conversation with positive like-minded people all day Mm. And it's just a very different way of doing it. And it makes me feel really happy again that I can have that as part of my life and be able to turn down any opportunities. So, no, I don't want any clients as a result of talking to you today, Jane. It's it's yeah. very... We, we are not advertising or marketing no, business here today in no, this, in this interview. Like, have a look at yeah. what I did, but um, I don't want yeah. any new now. And it has been part of that kind of realization that's helped me look at other areas of my life and look at boundaries in particular but also you know my what I know are my people pleasing tendencies and being able to say no to things and it's just makes me a much more it's acceptance you use you know that kind of word of I don't have to do something because I started it you know it's you've started Mm -hmm. so you'll finish you can you can quit and you're not a loser because you quit you can turn things into slightly different things. I'm always going to, you know, love Japanese gardening tools, but as, you know, as objects, I know now that I've unlocked a creativity inside me that I didn't ever think I really had because I, being the studious grammar school girl, you know, didn't do art or, I mean, I played an instrument, but played in the orchestra because that was the... That was the the done thing. done thing. But now I'm singing, so I'm a member of a community choir and um, it's just such a you know all these creative things are being unlocked and in the way in which I'm now just associating with with positive people that I would never have crossed paths with before and having that business experience has just enriched the way that I'm looking at other people businesses really I think and asking Mm. maybe searching questions of them and it's yeah it's a it's been a very important part of the last few years for me so in hindsight um do you have any advice or top tips for our audience and i'm not talking about gardening i'm talking about this find a job you love and you'll never do a day's work in your life 
Exactly. So I think um, one of the things, if you're like me and you and you sort of come to the end of a long career and you've really just got one track that you've been down, make sure and do this in good time before you decide to stop doing that, that you are filling your life with other things, which may be a passion mm -hmm. or may not. It doesn't really matter, but do make sure that you're developing things that are for you and time for yourself. And that's mm -hmm. so hard as a working woman, as a wife and a mother. And I'm sure, you know, men might say, well, it's hard for us as well. But I think as a woman, you do tend to just take it all on yourself and put yourself last. So mm -hmm. finding something, if I'd started the gardening side, maybe I would have gone into gardening design or something which wasn't so physically exhausting and mentally lonely because I would be managing a team of people I might have felt very differently about having a business that I could then scale because I'd already have covered some of that ground and seen you know the benefits and what it could be yeah. so I think it's you know I think that's probably don't just step off as I did and wait for something to happen although yeah. it's turned out all right in the end but it was quite a stressful time if I'd really wanted to, if I really had needed to survive on that income I would have, yeah, it would have been very, very hard. So I think that's probably one of the key things. And as to whether it's a passion, don't be swayed by other people into what you think. You know, because people would say, oh, you're so lucky, you know, you're doing gardening and you love gardening. And I'd much rather be doing that than sitting in my office. And don't, you know, listen to your gut. And just because mm. you like something doesn't mean it's a passion. Passion is a very misused word, I think. Um, be very aware of the fundamentals of business planning and you know how are you going to fund it I should have thought about if I'm going to do it properly I will probably need some tools that aren't um, you know 50 years old or what would I need and then the costs of that and how do you take it as it was it was it was was not a hobby job it was more than a hobby job because I was earning money paying tax on it living mm -hmm. off it and it felt good doing that. It gave me purpose. So I think it's it's getting out of it what you want. And if there is something that is your passion, I'm sure some people can turn it into a business. But just to be yeah. aware that once you're charging for it and you're selling your time doing it, unless you've put the right structure around yourself, it could very easily just turn you off that thing that was really the heart and soul of, of what you want to do. Yeah, planning is... Um is a big is a very important thing mm -hmm. because you can get yourself into all sorts of pickles mm -hmm. when you don't plan oh. but when you um are able to kind of step back and look at the bigger picture and look at what the future would look like and help plan these things out you know you can you can stop things in advance, stop the pain, um, yeah. or yeah. help deviate and go, oh, actually, let's go this route. It's mm. going to be a much better option. Yeah. I think it's having that happy medium. I'm, yeah. I'm not a plan. I don't plan. I don't plan, which is, you know, considering the career that I had, yeah. I'm not a great one for planning. Um, but equally, I always like to have an idea of where I'm going to end up. And so mm -hmm. I think if I'd put the two together in a more thought, thought, I don't know, more constructive way, I suppose, then it would be the best because you do need to be able to be spontaneous as well. And I think my, yes, I was a very risk averse person. I mean, as a lawyer, most of us are really because that is the job to minimize risk for your clients. And so I was very risk averse. And I think now the experiences allowed me to just think differently about other things 
in my life and say yes to things. I always say plan and put your structure in, but put mm. use um, like bamboo structure that's flexible, mm. pliable, yes. yeah. rather yeah. than your steel construction rigid. But I, yeah, I and then you're in prison. Yeah, and I don't think that was me because I didn't have that plan for the future. You know, I walked away yeah. from the course that was the spreadsheet because I couldn't think beyond like a couple of months. Well, I've got this client and this one, and I suppose yeah, I you just space. totally were in the totally moment and went with the flow organically. So it grew organically, yeah. it? and yeah, I could exactly. have done. People are saying this is amazing. You've done this without even trying. You could do so much more. And I kept having to justify myself as to why I didn't want to do more. I think, you know, it is the never, you know, you don't have to explain. Just say, no, I'm happy doing this. I'm happy cutting out the pictures and sticking them onto a bit of paper. I've still got all of those. And there are some on the the Instagram account that I'm very happy. You know, it's it's not a lot on there because I'm not going to do any more for the moment. But it's a little tiny bit of my my history, my story of my business, and I'm very proud of it. I came up with the name, so the creativity, the name Borders Bespoke. So, like the alliterative, but it was, yes. I, you know, I'm very, very um, proud of it and of what I did. But yeah, that's sort of, we talked about an adage at the beginning. It's that same one that um, fail to plan, plan to fail, or the other way yes. around. Whichever way around it is. Um, yeah, I kept telling myself that when I was, feeling really stressed about but I've got this you know I've got to do this I haven't got to do this business just you know mm. allow it to allow it to just be dormant you know it's um it's just having a rest and it's okay it's okay to let and go to do that. Yeah. yeah well thank you so much Kim for joining us telling us about mm. your story um and how finding a job you love and yeah. you'll never do a day's work in your life isn't necessarily true for everyone no for no. everyone yes well, thank you very much jane for the opportunity of, of sharing that with you I've loved my it. absolute pleasure thank you and goodbye bye bye everyone stay sane with jane the show that helps you and your business to thrive not just survive Tune in each week as Jane connects with guests in the wellness, business and publishing worlds, bringing you the most up-to-date training, techniques, healing and guidance for growth, mindset and motivation. Each session includes a magical guided meditation led by Jane or one of her special guests. And we are into that section right now. My name is Jane Scanlon and I'm going to be taking you through the Minditation, which is a combination of meditation and mindfulness. Okay, so everybody, if you are able, take a nice cosy seat or lie down and take a deep breath in today we're going to be tuning in to the power of acceptance so what does acceptance mean to you 
I'll take you through this guided meditation. Um, so let's bring kind awareness to what this topic means to you and how it how it makes your belly, chest and head feel when you reflect on the power of acceptance. Bring awareness to the emotions that are bubbling up now as we tune into the power of acceptance. And just remember that there are many others out there feeling similarly about this topic as you. So find a comfortable seat where you can be relatively free from distractions. And if you are driving or operating machinery, then obviously um, do not go into a meditative state listening to this. Maybe right now isn't the right time to listen. So find a balance between sitting up nice and tall and remaining relaxed. Feel into the width of your chest as you soften your shoulders down and back. Rest your palms face up on your thighs or in a manner that's most comfortable for you. Close your eyes or gaze low at the ground ahead of you and breathe in and out through your nose. Choose a breath that reflects all of the qualities you desire in your mind. Gentle, quiet, patient, steady, spacious and at ease. Balance your awareness between the three spheres of mindfulness. Your body, your breath, and the mind itself. Stay present right here with all three. Perhaps 20% of your mind's attention on each. And the remaining 40, just let this part of your mind stay with the spaciousness and the ease 
don't get caught up with those numbers. The idea is just to be mindful. And at the same time, free. Seated, breathing, present the body, the breath and the mind. Present, aware, open and spacious. And now notice what's present here with you. Notice if there's any sensations arising in the body. An energy that you can sense through the breath. Or a movement, emotion, or habitual thought in the mind. Whatever it is you notice, welcome it in and welcome it into the spaciousness. Just allow it to be. Don't try to change it, don't chase it, don't try to push it away. Can you remain still and spacious in your awareness as you accept what it is that's rising? This is how things are, right here, right now. Notice how it is and accept it. Recall that acceptance is spacious, non-judgmental and unattached. To accept is not an endorsement. To accept is not an opinion. To accept is simply to recognize, to notice. Acceptance is mindfulness and awareness of reality as it is. And what about now? 
what's present here with you now? What's arising in the body? What can you sense through the breath? Is there stillness or movement in the mind? This is how things are, right here, right now. Notice how it is. Accept it. And recall that like all things, it will also change. In your acceptance, you give what it is that you notice the freedom to change. When you and reality are no longer battling, Reality no longer has to defend itself. Let's give thanks to your acceptance. There can be a softening. There can be a movement. There can be a change. So what about now? What's present with you right here and right now? Accept all sensations that are rising in the body. Welcome it in. Give it space. Give it freedom. What type of energy do you sense through the breath? Welcome it all in. Watch it. And notice it with curiosity. Is there stillness or movement in the mind? Welcome it and accept it without attaching, without trying to push it away. This is how things are, right here, right now. Notice, welcome, accept. Sense the whole body, the breath, and the mind itself, opening into the freedom of acceptance. Nothing needs to be different right now. This is how it is.
and from the spaciousness of acceptance, tap into the wisdom that acceptance provides. From the spaciousness of acceptance, from this awareness of things as they are. Take a nice deep breath in and place a smile upon your face at this new level of mindfulness and awareness called acceptance. Now before you open your eyes and go about your day-to-day life, Just connect to the wisdom in your body, your breath and your mind and ask your body itself the question, what should I do now? Be equally accepting of the answer. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Jane Scanlon and you've been listening to the Meditation Sessions. And the Stay Sane with Jane radio show. Stay Sane with Jane. The show that helps you and your business to thrive, not just survive. Tune in each week as Jane connects with guests in the wellness, business and publishing worlds. Bringing you the most up-to-date training, techniques, healing and guidance for growth, mindset and motivation. Each session includes a magical guided meditation led by Jane or one of her special guests.